Hello and welcome to the first of many podcasts, hopefully, on owning a service dog and some of the troubles, hurdles that I've had to overcome uh, living day to day and traveling now that COVID is uh, well entrenched in everyone's day to day life. We're hoping to get back to something of a normal. And with that being said, being normal means going out and doing things. So let's get started. So Boomer is a medical alert service dog. He is categorized in the service dog. Let's begin at the very basics, and, and, and that way we can help you differentiate and know the difference between the different types of animals that can assist humans with their various needs and their various disabilities. So an emotional support animal provides their owner with therapeutic benefits through their companionship, okay? Moving up from that, you have a therapy dog. Therapy dog is a trained to provide comfort and affection to people, such as in hospice, disaster areas, retirement homes, hospitals, nursing homes, schools, and more. Then you move up and you've got service dogs. Service dogs are trained to help people with disabilities, such as visual impairments. You see a blind person that has a uh, service animal to help them maneuver around. You also see people in wheelchairs that have mobility service dogs. You also have service dogs for mental illnesses. You have service dogs that mitigate seizure uh, disorders. They, they recognize and, and they smell this. Dogs are amazing animals. They smell this and they're able to help not only people with seizures, but people like me with diabetes. They're trained by using their smell. That's how they help us. When you're talking about training a dog to recognize when you're about ready to have an epileptic attack or if your blood sugar is going to get wonky. The way they do this is through their scent. Uh, They can smell it. They can literally smell that your body is changing. And it's in your saliva. Doctors and nurses and those in the medical field often note when a person's blood sugar is elevated and high, it smells sweet. Even to them, it smells sweet. We don't have that great of a capability for detecting scents, not like dogs do. For instance, my father-in-law, thanks Phil, uh, was kind enough to give me his Reader's Digest when he was finished with it. And for the March 2021, there's a wonderful article in here of Osa, who has been trained to detect cancer in blood samples, uh, various types of blood Uh, various types of cancer in the blood and they're working with uh, technologists to try and create a synthetic version of this or a machine if if you will 
to detect the same thing, an electronic sniffer. It's a wonderful little article and it gives you a nice little insight into service dogs. Here are the stats when it comes to a dog's nose. It all starts with that wondrous invention of nature, the canine nose. Our own nose doesn't even come close to a canine's. The average human is equipped with 5 million olfactory receptors, tiny proteins capable of detecting individual odor molecules. They're clustered in a small area at the very back of the nasal cavity in a human, meaning that a scent must go in and up through the nostrils. Whereas in a dog, the internal surface area devoted to smell extends from the nostrils to the back of the throat and comprises an estimated 300 million olfactory receptors. Now, if you're doing the math on that, that's 60 times greater than humans. Dogs also, not, not just their nose, their brain has the capacity to internalize and do something with that information. So say you have a very large picture that's shot in uh, high, high definition and you open it up with a very small pro program. Well, that program being your brain, then that program has to throw out considerable amount of data because it doesn't know what to do with the rest of it. It's not capable of dealing with it. A dog uses 35% of their brain entirely devoted to processing and interpreting those signals. Whereas a human, we're terrible. 5%, 5% of our brain. So this is how dogs can detect. And when we're training dogs, we use our saliva at those points uh, where we want them to alert us to our condition. By the way, if you haven't picked up the Reader's Digest, and if you don't do print, I, I, I don't do print anymore, really, but I'm sure this is online. It's March 2021, Reader's Digest, and he's on the cover. Beautiful German Shepherd. It's called Meet the Dogs That Sniff Out Cancer. So you can, you can go online, I'm sure, and find that as well. is a very well-traveled dog. At the height of his travel before COVID-19 broke out, we toured Italy for two weeks. We visited the Vatican, went inside the Vatican Museum, numerous museums. Of course, ate out all the time. Oh gosh, how I miss eating out. We went to The Last Supper uh, by Michelangelo. If you don't know what that is, that's that painting of Jesus Christ's Last Supper before he was crucified and everybody's on one side of the table. And we've been to the Opera House. We've been to uh, numerous trips down to Florida to visit. Uh, we've been to numerous trips to New York City. Boomer has uh, been to Broadway show. He has been to the theater here in town to see The Christmas Carol. We took him to a movie because we wanted to see how he would react to loud noises. And after that, we got him a headset uh, that was specially made for dogs to cancel out the noises. And we also took him to outdoor concert series. We took him to 
uh, hometown rising which was here in our hometown of Louisville back in 2019 we took him to the next weekend of concerts which was bourbon and beyond and we also took him to one of the days for louder than life but it was way too noisy even with the headphones on so we didn't stay long for that now if you are curious and want to see it's it's a one second blip but if you look at hometown rising at their wrap-up summary film he's at and i want to say it's like 21 or 22 it's for one second and you see him on their video so i kind of like to say that he's their unofficial official mascot and whenever hometown rising comes back to louisville we will most certainly take boomer back to that that was bourbon and beyond and hometown rising were so enjoyable and so such a wonderful place to go you can get away from the noise and that's where we were we weren't up close because we don't want boomers ears to be damaged and we kept him cool we had warm uh, warm we had cold towels on him the whole time and we're in shade because it was warm that day so you can travel with your service dog you can go to all these events just know that you should always carry your documentation with you i have a binder that i keep with me at all times when we're traveling and when you're traveling overseas it becomes a very complicated issue i'm going to discuss that next and of course if at any point in this time if you have questions please contact me i'll I'm more than happy to share the knowledge that we've gained and and there's nothing out there so we're we're trying to be a little upfront so we can help people who are in the same position that we are you've got a disability you have a service dog but you still want to go out and do things you don't want to be just you know homebody do you When you're making reservations on an airline, you need to be upfront uh, with the airline and and tell them on the on the sign-up sheet where you're buying the tickets that you do have a service dog. You're going to be required to show documentation for this, and I recommend having your medical need letter from your endocrinologist. Uh, that's if you have diabetes, but if if you have some other, you know, whatever specialty doctor you go to for your disability. You need to have your medical need letter. You, you need to have that signed. And you can have all the photocopies you want, but that original with the original ink is the one that people are gonna wanna see. Make sure you have that well protected, that you have that um, saved somehow in protective uh, layers of uh, vinyl so that it's indestructible, that it won't get wet, it won't get damaged. You can have copies, but people overseas want to see the original medical needs letter. When you go to a foreign country, you don't have any HIPAA rights. You have to show them your medical need letter. That's what they really care about. When you're booking on, I'm sorry, I digressed. When when you're booking on the airlines, you wanna make sure that you pick out your seat or talk with the person about getting the bulkhead seat now remember if you're sitting in the bulkhead 
You have no under seat storage. Everything has to go above you. So I kind of hate that. <laughs> it, it makes it nice uh, for your dog because you've got a lot of room. And that's one thing else. We're not required to, but we always do. We always buy that third seat so that we have enough room for Boomer because Boomer is not a small dog. He is 72 pounds. You do not legally or financially require to buy an additional seat for your dog, but we always have because we don't want someone to be encumbered with sitting by a dog and, and their trip being ruined. Not everybody loves dogs. And you know what? I don't want to be around those people. <laughs> if they don't love dogs, you can stay away from me. Dogs are amazing. When we booked overseas flights, I went ahead and selected, I, I did the upcharge fee, and I selected seats that had enough room because they were right behind what do they call it? Business class, I want to say. And those first few seats, the the overseas flights, it goes two seats on the left, like four seats in the middle, and then two seats on the right. So those two seats on either end are perfect for my husband and I. It gives us all the floor space of having the bulkhead seat, but it also has the under chair storage because you've got business class in front of you and there's not a solid wall separating you. It's just kind of like a three quarter wall and the feet are open. So you've got all of that storage in front of you to use that's underneath their chair. So those are the seats that I chose and Boomer liked those seats too. Those were nice. And that's that's pretty much it for flying on the airlines now I'm going to talk to you about how you travel overseas next and that's a little difficult so hang on for extended flights and especially for traveling overseas you're going to need to have some kind of plan with how your dog is going to eliminate if they need to. Boomer doesn't need to. Boomer's good for like 12-15 hours. In fact, our journey to Italy, even though the actual flight from New York to Milan only took nine hours, we had to get from Indianapolis to New York first and that took an additional two hours. And before that, we had to drive there. So that's another hour and a half. Are you keeping track? We're well into the teens. Then when we got to Milan, we had to wait for our rental car. And Milan is notorious for having an extremely long wait for renting out your car. Even though you've done all the pre-stuff ahead of time, getting down there and waiting to actually rent out your car, it took two hours. So we're upwards of almost 20 hours that Boomer had not used the restroom. And he was fine with that. And the way you do that is before a long journey, you cut out their food after breakfast. If you're going to be leaving in the morning, this is what you have to do. The day before, you don't feed them anything after breakfast. You allow them water, 
no more food, no treats, no food after breakfast. Moving on from that, you need to take away their water after midnight. Okay, it's like prepping for surgery. Okay, so nothing to eat the day before you leave after breakfast and cutting out the water after midnight. And Boomer knows what's up when this happens. He knows. And when we go on air air flights, he pretty much knows where we're going to sit anyway. Boomer is, he's, he's heading to the seat. He, he doesn't need any conjoling or any guiding. He knows exactly what seat we're going to sit in. That's another thing I like to do. I like to try and sit in the exact same seat every time so that every time Boomer gets on an airplane, he knows where he's going to sit. That helps with stability. And with animals, as long as you have a routine, it doesn't matter what that routine is, they're okay with it. They like the stability of a routine. Okay, but before we got on the flight, you needed to go to the Department of Agriculture. Yep, that's what I said. That's up next. The USDA requires that anyone traveling with an animal overseas, whether it's a service dog or if it's flying underneath in the baggage carrier, wherever it's going, needs to be checked out by them. And there are numerous sites throughout the country, not that many guys, not that many. So look on the map and find out where your closest Department of Agriculture place is. It happens to be very close for us. We lucked out on that. You can't go uh, until it's, I think, like two weeks beforehand. You have to have a form filled out by your veterinarian, and it has to be filled out a very specific way. And then you have to visit the Department of Agriculture to have them look over the paperwork and examine your animal. For a service animal, there's no charge for this, okay? So that's 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 a break on our end. It's, our life is already difficult. They they cut us some slack, which thank you guys. That's that's awesome. So you have to have that. Go ahead and get that and put that in your binder and and in your carry-on goods, which should be a backpack. Let's not play like we've never traveled before. Your backpack is your personal item taking on the flight. That folder needs to remain with you at all times. It has all your legal documentation regarding your service animal. It's going to be a chore, but you know what? Having a service dog is not a bed of roses. There's a lot of work involved. People think, oh, that's great. You get to have your dog with you at all times. Yeah, you got to have your dog with you at all times. That's good and bad, folks. There's there's no easy way to travel with a dog. I don't know why everybody thinks that it's a wonderful thing that you get to have your dog with you. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing you get to have your dog with you, but you don't have a moment's peace, okay, guys? So, again, before you judge someone, please look in the mirror. <laughs> just And Jesus said, you know, judge ye not, lest ye be judged yourselves. So, anyway, so you've gone to the... Uh, USDA, Department of Agriculture, you've gotten your forms, you've got your uh, your medical need letter, you've got your service training documentation, you've got, and let me say this guys, you need to have your dog microchipped. If you don't, 
you're just playing the fool make sure that that chip is readable okay because when you get into a different country before they let you out they might be scanning your dog to see if there's a chip in it and if they can't find the chip and your papers say there's a chip you may not be going anywhere make sure that you can really easily find that chip they wander sometimes take your dog into the vet have them scan it and watch them as they scan it and know exactly where that chip is play out all the bad scenarios in your head and, and figure okay if this is going to happen this is what i need to be able to do and do it okay when you go into a country you're going to have to prove that that's your dog because if you don't prove that that's your dog coming into the country how are you going to take that dog from that country when you try to leave okay yeah didn't think about that did you well luckily I married a smart man because I wasn't thinking about it either I didn't think about any of this my husband took care of everything and did everything right so we've covered traveling making arrangements all that good stuff taking away the food making sure that they don't have water after midnight making sure they pee what else can you do uh, when you're traveling with your animal oh that's next staying in places with your animal so for us I absolutely adore B&B's uh, Airbnb is my go-to app and I love staying in people's residences I know that that's not their residence they bought it so they could rent it out but I feel like if I'm staying in an apartment or somewhere in a neighborhood that I'm closer to the actual real setting as opposed to staying in a hotel where everything looks the same the rooms are all the same and it's just a bed and a bathroom I, I need something more than that I need possibly a yard because guess what you got a dog with you I need a kitchen because guess what <laughs> I need to eat a lot all the time and sometimes I don't want to go out to eat sometimes I'm too tired uh, from the day's activities so kudos to Airbnb for making that possible when you're staying somewhere whether it be an Airbnb or a hotel you need to notify them that you have a service dog with you and that you're not handicapped you don't need a handicapped room but you will be uh, traveling with a service dog and a lot of times that's no big deal at all I don't even like to book with an Airbnb unless it says that uh, pets are welcome I figure yeah I could I could say well I've got a service dog so that doesn't really apply to me but you know what guys don't don't be mean like that if if they don't want pets in in there they're not gonna want your service dog either um, and I don't mind mind paying the service fee for the extra cleaning that's gonna be involved uh, for having a dog there that that's fine and if they waive it that's that's really sweet but I'm not going to insist on anything like that because I I don't want to push myself on someone and if you don't want me there then I probably don't want to be there now with the airlines they have tightened down their grips 
on what they will and won't allow on the airlines. As of 2021, <clears throat> you ready for this? Emotional support animals are no longer considered on the same level as service animals or therapy animals. And I understand that because you can just go online and you can download a form and pay 35 bucks and voila, you've got an emotional support animal. But some people don't have a lot of money to do what we did. And I'm not saying I'm rich because I'm not, I'm a nurse. But they don't have the extra seven grand to get a dog thoroughly and specifically trained to mitigate their needs. So again, go back to that. Just don't, don't judge them. If, if the dog is, you'll know a service dog when you see one. If the dog is pulling on the leash, misbehaving in, in any way, shape or form, barking at other dogs, attacking other dogs, leading in on, on people and, and doing that, that that's not a service dog. Oh, now, uh, disclaimer. Um, or there have been times when I have been out and Boomer has uh, hit on strangers, not hit on. <laughs> that sounds, <laughs> hey, you want to go out? No, he's, uh, he's cued in on them. And I have to interrupt and say, I'm very sorry. This is a service animal. He's been trained to recognize my diabetic condition. Do you by chance have diabetes? And they'll either say yes or no. And I'll follow that with, well, that, that's what he's telling me. You've got something wrong with your blood sugar. Could you please go to your doctor and find out what's wrong? And that's usually the end of the conversation. And he has done that before. Uh, I, I don't encourage it, but I'm also not going to discourage it because I want him to know that he is a good boy. So that is about it with traveling with your service dog and staying at places and just my recommendations on what to do and what not to do of course when in doubt always search the web uh, for information and further advice and if you have any comments or questions please feel free to contact me thank you so much and i look forward to doing another podcast on boomer and traveling and hurdles that we've overcome Talk to you later. Be good to everyone.